Good morning on the 1st of February, 2024. And today we're going to become, I guess, a little bit of a old fuddy-duddies around here. There was a time in the life of the church. When- this episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When the bishops of the church from the hierarchy would remind us through their priests, typically on Sunday at Mass, that... Catholics are to be careful of the kind of media we consume. And when we say media, I don't mean like the news, although these days you certainly need to be careful of that. We were enjoined to be careful about the books we read, the films we watched, the music we listened to. You get the idea. There was a time when Hollywood was reined in in the United States from basically the early 1930s to the mid-1960s, because while Protestants in America had tried on their own in their kind of disorganized way to try to do something, the bishops essentially helped establish the mechanisms for keeping blasphemy and impurity off the screen. And they were successful for three decades until the most cynical film imaginable was used to break the production code as it was called it's a bit of ancient history now but the adversaries of the church who are more libertarian in their leaning tend to cite things like the index as reasons why the church is overbearing on people and not to be trusted and so we're going to sound a bit like old fuddy-duddies today when we talk about this because we're going to be talking about the arts frankly and Francis has a history of meeting with artists. In fact, our story today really relies on, for some context, for something Francis did that I don't think I even bothered uh, covering back in the day, which was the, he he met with some artists here. Um, Let me make sure I have my proper articles here. Because he has... What Francis did was in 2023, he met with some artists, and this really sets the context for everything we're going to talk about here. So this comes from the, uh, the this is a news article from the Archdiocese of, or from the Diocese of Raleigh. Okay, so this is, you know, and it comes from last summer, July 3rd. He met with 200 artists in the Sistine Chapel, which is a great place to meet with artists if you are ostensibly the Pope and you're going to be meeting with artists, Right. And here you see 200 artists meeting with Francis. So we just go down here. He said, uh, Francis greeted them. Here, everything is art. There, you, everything. During the meeting, the Pope reminded them that with their art, they contribute to the church's mission of evangelization. You, the artist, can help us to make room for the spirit, Francis said. When you see the work of spirit, which is to create harmony out of differences, not to annihilate them, not to make them uniform, but to harmonize them, then we understand what beauty is. Beauty is the work of the spirit that creates harmony. Brothers and sisters, may your genius walk this path. He said a lot of nothing there, really, because art is supposed to point to the true, the good, and the beautiful, right? That's why all aspects, you know, the the harmony, melody, and rhythm, and music are part of 
like truly beautiful music, regardless of the genre of music, typically as a finds a good balance with those things and points to the true, the good and the beautiful, even if it has a certain ugly sounding expression at first glance, there is still a pointing to the true, the good and the beautiful and things that don't do that are usually not viewed, at least by the church as being terribly artistic. Now, he added that he feels close to the mission carried out by the artists. As visionaries, men and women of discernment, critical consciences, I consider you allies in so many things that are dear to me, like the defense of human life, social justice, concern for the poor, care for our common home, universal human fraternity. I care about the humanity of humanity because it's also the great passion of God. Among the 200 artists from around the world were painters, sculptors, writers, musicians, and actors. Also in the audience was Barbara Giotta, director of the Vatican Museums. Now, that sounds all pretty nice, right? fine, whatever. Why well, I didn't initially report on it back then. I think I made a passing reference to it in another video later because there was somebody else in attendance there that um, that they didn't bother to tell you about. And so, and it took Catholic News Agency to really bring this to the forefront here. Here, So this was, again, an article from uh, uh, about a week earlier from when it actually happened. And the headline from Catholic News Agency, and let's make sure you can see this, is Pope Francis addresses artists, including creator of blasphemous crucifix photo. Again, this is all for context for this more news story that we're talking about. That's more up to date. Same picture, Sistine Chapel, Francis, artists. All right. So we're just going to jump down to here. Among the participants was the U.S. photographer, Andres Serrano, creator of the controversial 1987. I'm not going to say the name of the, uh, the, the art piece. It's on your screen. Um, a photograph of a plastic crucifix submerged in liquid human waste. The meeting with Francis in the Sistine Chapel was organized by the Vatican's Dicastery for Culture and Education to mark the 50th anniversary of the inauguration of the modern and contemporary art collections in the Vatican Museum. So, 1973, the Vatican starts having modern art in the Vatican Museums. Contemporary art is the best expressions of contemporary, what gets classified as contemporary art. Because there are certainly contemporary, meaning things made today, that are very classical in nature and actually continue the, the development of classical techniques to the point where there are now statues that are photorealistic almost, right? Those are beautiful. But when we today talk about contemporary art, we're talking about a lot of the really weird stuff that's out there. And now the Vatican, of course, has a museum for that started in the 1970s because, of course, that was when it was started. So I, I want you to understand something. Remember what Francis talked about when he said, that they that the artists are helping with his mission of you know humanity for humanity and all this other stuff right and he talked he said some nice words about art but again he had andreas serrano who made that image which i will not put on screen because there are limits to what i'm willing to show you on this channel but it was a you know of a plastic crucifix submerged in liquid human waste so that's your context for these for what was going on here because now we can go turn to our actual real main story of the day, which comes to us from, let's start here with, from, a, from an arts website, really. It comes from, from a, a website called Marca, M-A-R-C-A dot com. And here it, we get the news that Martin Scorsese met with Francis. Now, a lot of people may not think, okay, so what's the big deal? If you look at his, um, his filmography, he's made some... Uh, really interesting films, we'll say. Um, 
and he has in the last decade or two decades re- keeps returning to Catholicism as a subject of his films because Scorsese is at least on paper a Catholic. I don't know if he's practicing or not, but he mo- most infamously made the movie The Last Temptation of Christ, which he was he made as an, an attempt to focus on the humanity of Christ, but in so doing, he made he missed the point of the of Jesus as true God and true man, the true man part he missed the point of. Because Jesus, while sharing in our sufferings and everything else, he did not share in our fallibility, okay? Because that would take away from the divinity of Christ. Being true God and true man, neither his divinity nor his humanity was undermined by that union of the two, by the hypostatic union. Meaning, you know, Jesus didn't have our fallible tendencies. He was not someone prone to sins of the flesh. He was not someone who was prone to a lot of the things you see in any depiction by Christians that try to focus on the humanity of Christ. This is one of those criticisms you hear about the chosen, by the way, is that sometimes it, it almost denigrates our Lord and the way he is portrayed. But Francis, he, Scorsese meets with Pope Francis to prepare for his next film. And he is already a regular at the Vatican. I'm not surprised by this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So here we go. Despite Pope Francis's busy schedule, he always tries to make room for his close friend, Martin Scorsese. His close friend. <laughs> the film director was in the Vatican this morning for a private meeting with the pontiff. It could be just another visit, but the producer has been making visits for the past six years. First time he attended such a meeting was in 2018, and since then he has not missed his appointment. 2018 was after he made his movie Silence, which... I'll limit my commentary on that because I have not seen that movie. So I will limit my commentary on that because I don't like talking about films in any depth that I haven't actually seen. Let me know in the comments if you saw that movie because I do know that it's hotly debated whether the movie is actually the the sort of the blasphemy you see in the film is excusable or not. I keep going back in my mind to what the church would have said before the council on such things, which would be that film would have absolutely been told by Catholic Catholics would have absolutely been told to avoid silence before the, before the council. That is unequivocal. That movie would not have been permitted, but still I'm curious what you think about that movie. If you've seen it in the comments, moreover, his visit may be due to more than just a visit to an old acquaintance. Martin Scorsese is preparing a new film based on the life of Jesus, a novel by Japanese author Shisaku Endo, which I believe is the author of the silence book. So his visit to the Vatican may have some more overtones of gathering valuable historical information to film his new movie about his new work. The film director was clear. I responded to the Pope's appeal to artists, which we started with in the only way I know how by imagining and writing a, the script for a film about Jesus. A self-fledgling project, and he has not revealed which actress he will cast in his new film. By then, Martin Scorsese will know if he has one more Oscar for Best Director thanks to that Flower Moon movie he made. And here's a long list of his movies. A lot of times you will not... Like, I've barely seen any of these. Uh, I did, in my misbegotten youth, see The Last Temptation of Christ before I was a Catholic. And even then, that movie struck me as very odd and uncomfortable to watch. And not known in a way that... a good movie can be uncomfortable to watch. But beyond that, these are the two that I've seen of his, and I would not recommend either, really. 
Okay. Like again, a long time ago. I, yeah. But let me know. Did you see silence? I'm curious because he made silence in 2016 and silence had pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit church as an advisor for that film. But it's one of the reasons why I was like, eh, you know, maybe I shouldn't watch this because James Martin advised the actors in there on Ignatian spirituality. And while he sounds like he gave them good advice, like going out to silent retreats and things, James Martin's involvement in things is something I can't really get on board with. Benedictus says Scorsese was known for being a priest of Satan. Oh, well, okay. I'd like to see what the citation on that, though, just because you sometimes see a lot of really weird stuff. People saying things about Hollywood figures that are maybe not accurate, but I would be, so I'd like to see a citation on that. Raven Ray reminds us we can't even call blasphemous art as art as it de defies the purpose of art, which is to inspire. Yeah. Um, let's see. Teresa says very hello from a very hot Perth, Australia. Ooh, yes. Stay indoors today. That's a, that's toasty. Um, but yeah, I warned people I, this would be my fuddy duddy hour today because I'm very curious. I would rather see a film by G about Jesus made by an actual Catholic, right? Like the resurrection, which is in the works by the maker the guy who made uh, the controversial filmmaker behind such fun films as the passion, <laughs> you know, Mike Rizzio says this book by the Japanese author is very, very on the dangerous horizon, meaning it's it, it's probably right. I I do know that silence upset Japanese Catholics a lot. And there the, are people you should almost take seriously because they have a unique history in the church. And for those who may not be aware of what some of the problems might be necessarily, I'm not talking about the problems in silence because, again, I haven't actually watched silence. But I did see. I did see The Last Temptation of Christ, so. We're going to go over here with, a, with one of the most authoritative articles on this written by a Christian, by a thoughtful Christian. And it's written by, well, it's by the SDG blog. I can't remember the author's name. I will put a link to it in my show notes today, return to tradition.org. Stephen something or other. But we're going to talk about, um, we'll go over this here just somewhat because once I can find my place. <laughs> There it is. So the the film is supposed to be focusing on the humanity of our Lord. And again, that would be fine, except there's problems with that, almost always problems with that in the execution of the, of the task. So the author of this piece says, the film opens with a disclaimer stating that the film is, quote, not based on the Gospels, but on the novel by Nikos Kazantzakis, a moot point, since that novel is based, however distantly, on the Gospels. The author's novel is a speculative exploration. So here's the key word, speculative exploration on the concept of Christ's dual nature, focusing particularly on his humanity. Now, Christian theology teaches that Jesus Christ was fully human as well as fully divine, and certainly there is nothing objectionable about trying to evoke or express in art the humanity of Christ. A work of art, a film or novel or painting that invokes the truth of Christ's humanity is a good and noble thing, even if it doesn't directly address the subject of his divinity. A recognizably human portrait of Jesus, for example, one that envisions him being capable of suffering weaknesses, loneliness, fear, exhaustion, of becoming exasperated with his disciples, or of having a good time at a wedding party, all of this can be quite valid and worthwhile. Moreover, the mystery of Jesus's dual nature is one that no Christian can claim to fully understand or imagine. In particular, the experience of being a mortal man who is also God in the flesh is one we cannot begin to grasp. 
Unanswered questions exist that leave room for a range of different ways of envisioning the person of Christ in drama and art. For all these reasons, we must not be too quick to judge any particular portrait of Christ merely because it challenges our expectations or makes us uncomfortable, because it doesn't immediately evoke his divinity. This is also like the underlying reason why I'm not going to critique silence because I haven't watched it, other than to say the barriers for me wanting to watch it are pretty high because of James Martin's involvement in it and because it had some really overt depictions of blasphemy and Liam Neeson playing a priest who apostatizes in the movie have anything against some Liam Neeson work, but that that's a bit much for me, to be put it bluntly. After all, Jesus himself often confounded the expectations of his contemporaries and didn't necessarily impress most of them as being divine. Indeed, if any believer today were somehow able to see and hear him as his contemporaries did, the experience might not immediately confirm his faith. Indeed, it might even give him a moment's pause. And that's probably true too, honestly. On the other hand, while Christian belief doesn't tell us everything about what Jesus was like, much less what it was like to be him, it does give us certain insights into what he wasn't. We might, we may be unable to fully apprehend human nature united to divinity, but we can easily understand that certain things would be incompatible with this union. Christian belief teaches that Jesus shared our humanity, but not our fallenness. I'm sorry, I forgot to zoom in here. So let's, this is an important part. So here. Christian belief teaches that Jesus shared our humanity, but not our fallenness and fallibility. Not only did he not sin, he didn't suffer from our concupiscent appetites, our disordered and inflamed desires. He was tempted as we are. He could feel hunger during a fast or dread on the eve of his passion, but his will was not pulled to and fro by wayward passions. He may in his humanity have had limited knowledge or insights, but he could not be deceived or confused into believing or teaching anything contrary to divine truth. At no time did he suffer doubts about his divine nature or messianic identity. I would actually almost disagree with the author here and say that he probably didn't have limited knowledge or insights, being the second person of the Trinity, that his limited knowledge would have been limited to things that he himself said only the Father knows. But we'll continue. Does a dramatic portrayal of Christ's humanity have to be perfectly compatible with every article of faith about him in order to have any value? The author says no. Let me know in the comments if you disagree with that. Even an imperfect vision of Christ, one that doesn't entirely correspond to known truths of faith that contains elements that are clearly erroneous, could still be worthwhile and valuable if it remains on the whole generally evocative of important truths about Christ. That doesn't seem like too much to expect or ask that a work of art be on the whole generally evocative of the truth about its subject, that it reasonably be true to that subject, that it not turn the subject into something antithetical to itself. A movie about the man Jesus may have value if it shows Jesus to be recognizably and authentically human while at least minimally leaving room for his divine nature, remaining at least compatible with Christian belief in his deity. In a word, while not turning him into a fallible fallen man, one who could not be God. That's the key here. And if you've seen The Last Temptation of Christ, you know that where, where, therein lies the problem. A Jesus who commits sins, or even thinks he commits sins, who talks a great deal about needing forgiveness and paying with his life for his own sins, a Jesus who himself speaks blasphemy and idolatry, calling fear his God, and talking about being motivated more by fear than love, who has an ambivalent at best relationship with the Father, and even trying to merit divine hate so that God will leave him alone, all this is utterly antithetical to Christian belief and sentiment. This is not merely focusing on Jesus' humanity, this is effectively contradicting his divinity. But the Jesus of the last temptation does all of the above things and more. And this is why it's scandalous that Francis met with Scorsese to tell him how to help him make the next his next movie, which is about, again, the humanity of Jesus. This is him revisiting this subject. The last temptation gives us a human Jesus, but a Jesus of fallible, fallen humanity, a Jesus who could not be God. 
This is evident not just in the sequences containing obvious blasphemy, such as the scene where Jesus the carpenter explains that he makes crosses for the Romans and helps them use them on his fellow countrymen so that God will not like him and leave him alone. Yeah, that scene's in the movie. Or even in the scenes depicting Jesus' persistent doubts and confusions about the nature of his identity and mission, or whether he's the Messiah at all. But everywhere you turn in the film, the fact is Willem Dafoe's Jesus has hardly a scene, hardly two lines of dialogue put together in which the falseness of the character is not the dominant fact about him. One scene that had religious critics up in arms depicts Jesus sitting all afternoon in a room outside the outside of, we'll call it the office of Mary Magdalene, where he can both see and hear her doing what she did before her conversion. We'll stop there. I think you get the idea. That's the artist, artist that Francis has met with and has been meeting with him regularly since 2018, his good friend. And you know, the, the, after reading those articles in preparation for this, do you know who his other good friend was that keeps coming to mind? Eugenio Scalfari, the non-believer who persisted in his non-belief till the very end, despite, for, at least from everything we know, maybe he had a deathbed conversion. I pray that he did. But Francis met with him regularly. Very, very regularly. It was through Scalfari that we heard all a lot of some of the worst things that Francis said. Of course, Scalfari never wrote them down. He did it from memory. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, even though everything that Scalfari reports does fit in with everything Francis did. Mark Brown is reminding us that, Jim, that Pastor Jimmy Martin met the bishops in secret in Ireland. Oh, I'll be talking about that probably tomorrow. Head of the church in Ireland is utterly, if not completely, infiltrated by stone cut. Yeah, it is. It's true. It's true. Richard Rogers says, I see negative value in almost all movies these days. There are no redeeming qualities. And those that are presented as religiously redeeming generally cater to the lukewarm. Um, yeah, I mean, this, there's. A, I think there's a very good reason why you see the... I think that's part of the reason, one of those intangible, for most people, reasons, why you see the movie theaters largely empty these days. And that old films even if they're not that old, you know, are the ones people are watching when they, in their spare time now that they don't bother with most things because the nihilism of Hollywood is so unrestrained right now. CR who sounds like he's been to the Vatican says the modern art in the Vatican now is almost uniformly gross. I'm not surprised by that. David Wilson. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. James Martin is in Ireland at the moment at the request of bishops teaching them how to apply the blessings of fiducia supplicants. Oh, yeah, we're going to go over that tomorrow. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Um, right. So I'm curious. Are you going to watch the new Scorsese film about the life of our blessed Lord when it comes out? Whenever it comes out, it sounds like it's in pre-production. So I would imagine 2026, 2027 by the time he gets it done. Uh, again, I have a list here of his films. There tends to be a three to four year break between his films. So um, although he made Shutter Island and Hugo back to back, but um, typically looks like it's three years. So it looks like 2026 will be the next time we are treated, if you want to think of it that way, to a film by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Elizabeth points out that my wife tends to like wholesome films. Yeah, although she does sometimes like, uh, you know, some others too, but she's nothing that I would say would be scandalous. But uh um, am I kidding you? What do you mean, Helen? Uh, 
are you talking about uh what do you mean <laughs> um what do i think about the chosen i avoid the chosen at all cost as soon as i heard that shows our lady in labor pains i said no that's blasphemy because that's that is blasphemy it's teaching of the church violet that's heresy i won't watch it and i don't like buddy jesus stuff i just i don't all right folks any final thoughts in the uh, chat before we switch this off? Because I have a lot of things to do for my wife's root canal. Yes, folks, please pray for my wife today. She is having some super happy, fun dental work done today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, please, please pray for her. Root canal for her happening in about five hours. So other than that, looks like no other thoughts in the chat. So please pray for the church, as always, and pray for everybody involved in this. Um And was it what? I don't know what that word means, but it's okay. Yeah, I, I don't like buddy Jesus stuff. I don't. I don't. That doesn't mean I expect a stern Jesus and things. I, I want. I films about our Lord should conform to what the gospel show, which he was in his in his humanity complicated. I'm certain there were times he laughed with his his disciples and his apostles. That he had good times with them. I don't doubt that at all. I don't even object to that being shown in the film, but when it's really the focus, I mean, at that point, you're just, you're, you know, you're getting into the stuff of the movies about our Lord that have largely been forgotten. There's reasons. The ones that we remember are usually really good or really, really bad. Um, all right. Uh, Richard Reeves, does that say that word gross? Um, last temptation. Was it gross? I, I saw it like 20 years ago. <laughs> I saw it when it was closer to being new. Um, I remember enough of it to think it was awful, but all right. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Uh, interesting news about the Vatican's soon future treatment of the Catholic media, independent media coming for you here in about an hour after, well, after this live stream is over and a video tomorrow that I've been promising for years, channel members and patrons have access to it already. So thanks folks for tuning in and as always pray for the church. I am Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.